Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 183rd edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! 54 to 53! North Carolina did it! North Carolina wins the championship! With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Fred Brown looking, oh, way to Worthy! Worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out foul. of timeout! Technical foul! Technical foul on Michigan! They're out of timeout! And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May! It's over! Carolina has won the national championship! 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national dadgum champions. Love guarded by Keels. Gets a screen. Pulls up for three. Got it. Caleb from straight away. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Just Josh here with you guys today. Going to be taking you through Carolina's 80-76 to win over Michigan as Carolina won their fourth straight game. We'll, we'll take a look at the box score. You'll hear some audio from Huber Davis. We'll give our stat of the game and more thoughts and takeaways on the win. But as I mentioned, Carolina takes down Michigan 80-76 to on Wednesday night in the inaugural uh, Jumpman Invitational in a game that you know, just felt like a big game. You know, the stars were out for the Carolina family. Roy Williams was in the building. Uh, Matt Doherty was present. Eric Church was there as well. Um, so, so Carolina was well represented as we thought they would be, given that the event was taking place in Charlotte. But it just it felt like a big time game. Um, Michigan, a really solid team, starting to figure out who they are. Under Jawan Howard this season, played with a level of physicality that Carolina would have to meet and then exceed, and um, just a really solid test for Carolina. And you know, the the biggest things going into this game was, you know, how was Carolina going to handle coming off that emotional win over Ohio State on Saturday? Would they be ready to play another big time game? And you know, for the first seven eight minutes or so, it definitely looked as if. Carolina was sleepwalking a little bit. They just didn't come out, I guess, with the same type of energy you wanted to see following such a big-time win on Saturday. And then the game changed um, really in a sequence where Caleb La- or, or, or Armando Baycott turned and scored over former AAU teammate and lifelong friend Hunter Dickinson. And in the process, he caught an elbow to the face. Um, and, you know, on the broadcast... I didn't quite see the elbow to the face, so when Huber Davis started doing his antics on the sidelines where he was as animated as we've seen him as Carolina's head coach, I was kind of confused as to why he was so animated. And then we got a replay. 
You saw a clear elbow to the face that an official should have been able to see. They didn't. Um, and you could tell right there that there was going to be some physicality issues moving forward for Carolina. And, um, and, and you know, so a few plays later, Caleb Love gets the ball on the drive, but he gets fouled really hard by Hunter Dickinson. And in the pro or after the foul, Love gets fouled so hard he gets put to the floor. Hunter Dickinson stands over him, and we knew that was going to be a problem. Caleb Love shoves his leg out of the way, and both teams started shoving and and trying to, you know, I guess, not say they were they were wanting to start a fight, but both teams were ready. Armando Baycott came in from out of nowhere, shoved Doug McDaniel out all the way of the of of the TV screen. Um, and you know they go to they go to commercial break. You had a, the common foul on Hunter Dickinson, and then you had the technical fouls on um, Baycott Love, and then for 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 Michigan Dickinson and Doug McDaniel. And from then on, it just felt like Carolina was ready to play. That 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 got them that got their juices flowing a little bit, and they would end the first half on a thirteen to four run to take a 41 to 34 lead, a lead that they would never relinquish in the second half. A big reason why was because Armando Baycott was absolutely sensational. Um, the big man had 20 26 points and 5 rebounds on 11 of 15 shooting. He had a matchup against his former teammate that he just exposed all night long and and Carolina played through Baycott and for the second straight game he led them to a big-time victory. Let's take a look at the box score here, brought to you by DraftKings, and it's a pretty one for Carolina for the most part. They shot an even 50% from the field, 29 of 58. Meanwhile, they held Michigan to 42%. The Wolverines were 26 of 62. Three-point shooting Carolina, 7 of 20. Um, so just 35%, but they were 6 of 12 in the first half, and that was a big reason why they were able to build that lead that they would never give up. Meanwhile, Michigan was 9 of 23, so they made more than they made one more than their season average, but it wasn't enough to overcome what they did from inside the arc. Free throw shooting was a problem for Carolina. They were just 15 of 27 for 56%, their worst effort so far of the season. Uh, Michigan, meanwhile, was 15 of 21 for 76%. Carolina did commit 12 turnovers that Michigan scored 16 points off of. Uh, meanwhile, Michigan just 10 turnovers and just 7 points for Carolina off of those mistakes. Carolina did win the rebounding battle 42-38. Um, they were 32-28 on the defensive glass. They did get out-rebounded on the offensive glass 10-8. Um, both teams with just nine second-chance points. Michigan's bench outscored Carolina's 13-5 as Carolina basically played seven guys in this game. Um, you know, you'll look and see that nine guys entered the game, but just one minute for Tyler Nickel and Jalen Washington. So really just Seth Trimble and Puff Johnson were the guys came that came off the bench that factored into this one. Points in the paint, 40-30 to 30 Carolina. Fast break points, 19-9 to 9 Carolina. Uh, Michigan did outblock the Heels 5-1. to 1. Both teams had six steals. Carolina with 13 assists on 29 made baskets, so a little under that 50% threshold. 
but Michigan just nine assists on its 26 made baskets, so they also struggle with time or ball movement as well. The game was tied five times uh, for three minutes and 49 seconds. There were four lead changes overall, but Carolina led for 26 minutes and 14 seconds. Michigan led for just nine minutes and 58 seconds. Let's now move on now to the quote of the game, which comes from head coach Hubert Davis. And, you know, I mentioned that he was as animated and as fired up as we've seen him on the sidelines in his year and a half now running Carolina basketball. You knew that was going to come up in the postgame. Here's what he had to say about what had him so fired up during Carolina's 41-30, or not 41-34, their 80-76 win over Michigan. It's hard to have played, and then you can't go out there. (laughs) Cause I'm 52. (laughs) I'd love to be out there. I miss that. I miss that competition. I love that interaction. I love that competitiveness. And it doesn't take very much at all for me to get into it. And so that's just normal for me. (laughs) Game practice, shoot around. (laughs) I gotta tell you guys, I don't know about you at home, but During this sequence, I was ready to come through my television. Um, That was, I was fired up seeing Hubert Davis fired up because, you know, we we get told all the time that he's such a fiery competitor, but yet on the sidelines, he's just a more laid back, reserved kind of guy. He coaches hard, but you really never see him, you know, berate an official or, you know, just lose his mind on the sidelines when something doesn't go right. This time, though, that happened. I mean, he took those glasses off, and he was a-kicking, and he was a-screaming. And I think that resonated with his team. I think they saw that, look, if our coach is willing to fight like this, and he's just on the sidelines, we need to be ready to go out there and fight ourselves, and we're the ones on the court that can dictate how physical that we play. And, you know, I think this is something where Hubert Davis is still coming into his own as a head coach. He often talks about coaching and running the program with his personality, um, and, and that's starting to come out where he wants his team to be physical. You know, we had that soundbite uh, that we heard so often during the, the tournament run last year that he wants guys that are looking for a fight. He wants guys that, look, if you're going to push us, we're going to push back. If you punch us, we're going to punch back. If you kick us, we're going to kick back. And I, I think now he's wanting to get him to where Carolina is the team that, you know, theoretically is punching first that is coming out and just playing with uh, this level of physicality that, you know, the, the other team just cannot meet as opposed to waiting to exceed someone's physicality. But make no mistake, I do think that this Tar Heel team is, is starting to find its identity and, 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 and who they are as, as a toughness. And I think that's going to bode well for them as we now fully enter conference play. Uh, let's move on now to the stat of the game. I went with points in the paint because I thought it was just such a big deal for Carolina just because of, you know, how first how good Hunter Dickinson is, and then we know those Michigan guards, Jet Howard, Kobe Bufkin, they wanted to get downhill and play inside out, and Carolina limited them to just 30 paint points. Meanwhile, the heels with 40 of them. So um, they Carolina did a really good job feeding Armando Baycott into the post. But, you know, R.J. Davis, Caleb Love, did just a really good job, I thought, playing downhill, attacking inside out. 
and that's a big reason why their shooting numbers um, were as good as or, or, or as good as they've been all season long. So with that, guys, we are going to take a quick break. We'll get you this week's ad from DraftKings. Then when I come back, I'll give you more thoughts, more takeaways from Carolina's win over Michigan in the inaugural Jumpman Invitational. The NBA season is heating up, and there are still so many games coming up. Like if you're a local fan of the Charlotte Hornets, the 76ers are in town. The Minnesota Timberwolves are in town. Or if you're a Knicks fan like me, there's a lot of games coming up as we get ready or as we continue to make our way through the NBA season where you can make plenty bets on the association. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money lines on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out, guys. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings. Go, go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more the more you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win. So whether you're betting on just a straight-up win or how many you know threes Steph Curry is going to have or how many rebound, or rebounds Joel Embiid is going to have, you can place all those bets and parlays at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Place a $5 pregame money line bet on any on, on any NBA team to win their game and get a $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all the great offers I've been giving you on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast. And the first thing I have written down is toughness. Um, back-to-back games against Big Ten opponents and big-time atmospheres. Carolina played a team that thought that they could out that that they thought they could punk them and out physical them. You know, we played that sound of Armando Baycott in the previous podcast saying that. You know, they drew a line in the sand against Ohio State, and that was a big reason why they were able to come back and get the win. And I don't know if today they, or in this game, they had to draw a line in the sand. It was just basically, you know, are, are you going to let a team play that way and, 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 and not be punished for it? And Carolina, you know, this is a program that dating back to the Coach Smith days, same thing when Coach Guthridge and Coach Williams were here, that they were labeled as a soft program. And that's something that you've really heard Hubert Davis talk about is that he wants his team to be tough. He wants them to force be mentally tough, but then he wants them to play with a, a, a level of physicality on the basketball court that, you know, if he feels like if they play with, they'll be a really tough team to beat. And back-to-back games, this Tar Heel team is really toughened up. And they, they were able to do what they needed to do against a quality opponent. Um, you know, there were a lot of tough drives and a lot of tough finishes that Carolina had to make at the rim. And something that this team has struggled with is finishing through contact. And I thought Armando Baycott was just sensational all night long doing just that, scoring, you know, through double teams, scoring 
you know, while getting an elbow into the face, Caleb Love finished, or he, he converted a three-point shot while getting fouled. Just multiple examples of this team really toughening up when they had to. And I think that's going to be something that we, we need to look at and see what this does for Carolina moving forward. This team got, got really scrappy last year in March. If you go back and, you know, you watched a win over Baylor uh, in Fort Worth, so basically a road game for Carolina they they outphysicaled Baylor when they beat UCLA to advance to the Elite Eight. They were they UCLA is a physical bunch. Mick Cronin that's the way he runs his program. Carolina scrapped with them, and they made winning plays late. They they basically beat St. Peter's because they overwhelmed them with their physicality, something that Kentucky couldn't do, and Purdue couldn't do. And then you look at the Final Four game against Duke. You know those games are always physical because there's so much emotions going into it. And even in the national title defeat against Kansas, Carolina really played with a, a, a Jayhawk team that Bill Self prides his team on, on on being a physical bunch, whether it's on the glass or on the perimeter defensively. And Carolina didn't come out with that same type of physicality this season. But they've really... They've really started to, to embody that. Uh, you look at what they did you know, defensively in the wins against Georgia Tech and the Citadel. They overwhelmed them with their defensive pressure. And then with the Ohio, and the Ohio State and the Michigan wins, it was just playing tough because you were playing against teams that thought that they could they, they could just out-fizzle you. And, and so I think this is going to be, you know, if we think this winning streak and in, in these back-to-back wins are what they think they are, which is going to propel Carolina – on becoming a, a top you know a top team again in college basketball, this this level of physicality might be what helps catapult them to the top. The second thing I have written down was that Armando Baycott dominated this game. Uh, he was the best player on the floor for either team. Uh, we knew coming in that the matchup between him and Hunter Dickinson was going to you know be a big factor in who was going to win this game or not, and. Um, Baycott, you could tell he took this game a lot more personal playing against, you know, a lifelong friend and former AAU teammate. And he was just utterly sensational. 26 points, 11 of 15 from the field, 4 of 7 from the foul line, did, on, you know, did grab 5 rebounds to no double-double, and did so in just 32 minutes, did deal with some foul issues in that second half. And the best thing I liked about it is I've been asking really for three years now that I want him to dominate the game and call for the ball. And there were just times where he went down the court, he got his position, and he called for it. And Carolina's guards did a really good job making sure he got the ball at the spots where he wanted it. And there, from there he just attacked and went to work. Um, there was a sequence late in the game where the best thing he did was he called for the ball he then took his man off the dribble, but what he did was he then gave it a little handoff action, screened open R.J. Davis, and R.J. hit a three. He just controlled the game on both ends of the court, and he did so in the, from the, in the second half of the Ohio State game all the way through the overtime where he was the best player on the court, and he compiled a 28-15 uh, performance in that game. Not the same dominance on the glass in this one because – Everybody really pitched in for Carolina. I mean, Leaky Black had 10 boards. Love had five. R.J. Davis was six. Pete Nance was six. So it was a UNC rebound in the game, something Hubert Davis has talked a lot about this season. 
but he was the best player on the floor. And even defensively, I mean, he limited Hunter Dickinson to just nine points. He was three of nine from the field and 0 of eight from the foul line. Or, 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 or um, And he grabbed eight rebounds and would eventually foul out. So he did it on both ends, where I thought you could tell that he just took this game so personal. And, and Carolina did, or Armando Baycott just did a really good job on both ends of the court. And I think it just goes to show we put so much emphasis on Carolina's backcourt. And make no mistake, uh, Love and Davis have had their struggles. But when they play through Armando Baycott, this team looks like a team that was preseason ranked number one. That was uh, the heavy favorite to win the ACC. A lot of people's you know, favorite to win the national championship or at least get back to the final four. And so they've got a nine-day break, and the hope and the goal is that when they come back from this and they go to Pittsburgh to start what's going to be 18 straight ACC games, they're just building off of this. And they're playing inside out because the game has come easier for Love and Davis playing through Armando Baycott. Another thing that's really helped Carolina start to really come into their own um, is their fast break points. They scored 19 of them in this one compared to just nine for Michigan. Um, and and I, I, think, I think that played a big deal because Carolina got easy buckets against, you know, where they weren't having to go against a set defense. Um, when they were having to play against a set defense for the first, you know, 12 minutes of the game, it didn't look very pretty for Carolina. But they started getting out in the open court, and they got easy buckets, mainly for your guards in transition. But Armando Baycott did a really good job running the court and getting easy baskets. And, you know, this Tar Heel team, they haven't ran the way that we're, we're used to seeing typical Tar Heel teams run. Um, but they're, they're starting to realize when to push the tempo, when, when, when to run. Um, they're starting to run after makes. They're starting to push the ball up. Uh, behind the defenses back. A big reason why is Seth Trimble just has a gear that not many guards in the country have where he just gets it and goes down the court. And um, that's that's been a really big thing for this team. Also, Leaky Black did a really good job in this game where he just grabbed a rebound and simply advanced the ball up the court. And, you know, when you look at what Carolina's doing, you know, in the last couple games, whether it was against Georgia Tech, against the Citadel, they're getting easier offense when they're scoring in the open court and, and, and the game is coming so much easier for Love and Davis. And that's why you're starting to see their numbers become so much more efficient um, than where they were to start the season. And if Carolina's guards can meet a, a level of efficient offense, they're going to be a really tough team to beat um, throughout the ACC Season. The last takeaway I have for Carolina was their free throws because had they lost the game, this would have been the talking point because Carolina was just 15 of 27, uh, which is 56%. The good news is is that this hasn't really been a problem for Carolina throughout this season. They're a team that shoots north of 75% from the foul line, and they're a team that gets there quite frequently. That was the case in this game where they got to the foul line, but they just didn't convert. Every starter that took more than one free throw missed at least, uh, you know, you know, missed at least one. Um, R.J. Davis was three of four, Baycott four of seven, Love five of seven, Leaky Black was zero for two, 
Pete Nance was just a one for one. Then your guys off the bench, Seth Trimble, one for two. Jalen Washington, one for two. Puff Johnson, 0 for two. So it was just up and down the board where Carolina just struggled to convert on their freebies. And that was a big reason why they couldn't put the game away. Carolina could have put this game away had they made their foul shots, but they did it, and they saw a 69-60 to 60 lead evaporate all the way down to a two-point game, you know, at the with less than two minutes to go. Then they had to make their free throws, and they, they did a much better job in that scenario. And so um, I think the biggest thing with this is just to just monitor it because Carolina, you know, they're going to get to the foul line. They have gotten back to – Something Dean Smith wanted them to do in the old days, which was, you know, make more free throws than their opponent takes. They've done that in a handful of games this year. Not so, uh, not so much in this game. But Carolina's going to get to the foul line. That's something they haven't struggled with this year. They've played with the level of aggression that has resulted in them getting fouled and living at the stripe. And there's no more valuable possession in basketball than when you score at the foul line. Um, it, it, it's, you know, when you look at the analytics, you know, you get a higher point per possession when you make a free throw as opposed to making a three-pointer or, or getting a layup. And so um, I would just say for Carolina to just monitor that, to see if this becomes a habit or if this was just an off night from the foul line. Because other than that, guys, there's really not a whole lot to complain about in this game. You have to like – where this team is at. I don't know if 9-4 and four entering a nine-day uh, break at the Christmas holiday was where we thought this team would be. But, you know, when this team was 5-4 and four and you were looking at the schedule, I mean, 7-6 and six was a real possibility. And at 7-6, and six, it would have been really hard for Carolina to really work their way back into, you know, at that point, we would be talking resume the entire ACC season. Now that's cooled off. They've got wins over marquee opponents. They're, you know they've got a quad one win that you know just one for those in the net did wonders for them. And you know it just feels like this team feels like a typical Tar Heel team where they're trending towards playing their best basketball when it matters most, which is the ACC season, and more specifically um, into late February and early March. Well, with that, guys. With it just being me, you can imagine this would be a quicker edition of the podcast. But before we let you go, um, I do encourage you guys to visit our website, HeelToughBlog.com, where there's more on Carolina's win over Michigan that you can go back and read there. Um, With a nine-day layoff, going to hope to get out maybe just an opinion article or two about the state of the Heels. Um, but as you could have given with the holiday and me going out of town to see spend time with some family, you know there there, there will be you know there will be some time where we just decompress um, from the blog on the basketball side of things. As for football, it was a busy week. Carolina landed three guys in the transfer portal. They signed their their uh, 2023 early national signing day class. Um, and Anthony had you covered with all that news and more so you can find the latest on Tar Heel football and basketball at HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us, every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners podcast where we will pop up. We encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast, but more importantly, guys, we want you to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. 
with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I want to wish you guys a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels! Get any sweeter than that!